Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host Christian Ubius, and not like always, but at this point, like sometimes, here with our <laughs> esteemed colleague, Paul Yoder of the Author's Dozen Podcast. Paul, how are you? It's so good to have you back. I'm doing well. I'm the broken clock of uh, this podcast. I'm I'm here uh, exactly twice uh, <laughs> per revolution. Um, so yeah, it's it's a wonderful metaphor, and everybody loves it. And congratulations to me. I truly, uh, I I get excited when you come onto the show because I think that the collective IQ jumps quite a few points. Uh, you really bring the average up, at least... At uh, least 100. For, at least 100, At least hopefully. if we're factoring in how I typically bring Christian's intelligence down, then, I mean, you really help us out. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, you completed your Author's Dozen project, correct? Correct. And now I'm doing uh, Author's Dozen Revised. It is a project in the works. Shh, don't tell anybody, except it's a podcast. And so... Um, I hope nobody is listening right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I I disagree with you. I okay. hope people listen. Okay. No, it's 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 a uh, it's it's exciting. I uh, look forward to revealing it. But that's all we've got right now is a name and some some banked episodes. So keep an eye or a nose or an ear out. However you perceive podcasts. It's <laughs> gonna say if you can smell podcasts, then that would be that would be quite impressive. So if you can. You know, keep keep your uh, your nose out for for Paul's authors doesn't revised podcast. But if you are like the rest of us, eyes and ears for for sure. Paul, it's a delight to have you here as we get to dive into a topic that I'm very excited to discuss here on the Cinema Drip podcast. But that topic is Looney Tunes movies. We're looking at Space Jam and looney tunes back in action here as we continue on with our live action animated blend of the month things get weird when scott gets the remote control here at cinema drip so i'm excited to now welcome you into this this strange monthly journey that i have curated for us typically these days and season two of the cinema drip podcast we've been looking at the background cultural situation for the movies that we've been talking about definitely handy when talking about 1973 and as we talked about who framed roger rabbit last week we got to look at how influential and important that movie was not just for this niche genre but also for disney at large and now we're looking at a different yet equally influential topic that of looney tunes so christian and paul i want to turn it to you fine gentlemen what kind of history and relationship do you have with Bugs, Daffy, and the gang? I'm curious to know what you are each bringing into this episode, whether you were just a huge Space Jam fan as a kid or you've been watching these cartoons since you were in diapers. I guess I have a kind of an important answer to this. An important answer. Looney Tunes taught me English. I mean, yeah, when I was when I was young, I when I had just moved here from Peru, I would just put on Looney Tunes all the time. And I learned how to speak English because of them. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, yeah, I, I, it's almost exactly the same with me um, because I, I learned, uh, I learned some new things. Uh, like there were so many different sort of cultural references and like references to opera and like out of date, like comedy duos and stuff like that where it just made you go and look stuff up because you're like, I know that's a reference to something. Um, and it's funny because Bugs Bunny is doing it, but I need to get into the world of art. And there I went. I think that's also where my appreciation for classical music came from. Yeah. Because when I'm studying, I blast classical music. I, I can't listen to music with lyrics when I'm studying. And I love classical music. And I think part of that started this young from because looney tunes is chock full of it yeah merry melodies man the all-time classic what's opera doc definitely comes to mind i'm not sure if that's one that is in your minds right now but in terms of the classical music crossover with looney tunes that's one of the most famous any other i guess looney tunes shorts that particularly stand out to you any any fan favorites I mean, this movie, uh, the I, I think both movies actually start off with the sort of classic uh, rabbit season, duck season, um, you know, uh, gag. 
And uh, yeah, I think I think that's one of the memories I have because um, it's just like it's it is something that like a uh, four year old can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of like cultural touchstones like uh, Bugs Bunny dressing up as a woman, um, anvils and uh, various uh, Acme products, Acme products <laughs> um, destroying uh, cartoons. But it's funny because uh, we can laugh at death. And uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Wiley Coyote, I do think is, I mean, sure, at the top, Bugs Bunny and, you know, Daffy, but I kind of put Wiley Coyote really high up there. It's so funny. He just, that Roadrunner should just give him a break and like, let himself be killed. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, you know, Wiley is dying every like episode about five times. Like it's, it's high time. That... Roadrunner's turn. Yeah, exactly. That's pesky yeah, he'll just come back. It's fine. Can't he just give Wiley Coyote a win? I mean, he's he's really due for one. Come on. Scott, what about you? I have a horrible, horrible memory. And I wish that I could tell you more about my relationship to Looney Tunes as a child because it's it feels significant. There is definitely a space in my heart carved out for Looney Tunes. And I don't remember if it's watching them when I was young with either my parents or my grandparents or just on... I don't even know what channels that would have been on when I was young in the mid nineties and early aughts and Cartoon Network or Boomerang. Maybe I'm not sure, but there's a special place for them in my heart. It, it harkens back to a different time. And obviously you don't want to put on rose colored glasses, looking at the era that Looney Tunes was coming out the golden age. <laughs> not always, uh, not always a great time in our country, but still it, it makes me think back fondly uh, of my childhood at least. And I am a huge fan of Looney Tunes back in action. So spoiler alert there. I was uh, one of the one of the children of America who went out of my way to support it in the theater uh, and then came to Space Jam uh, a, a little bit later in my childhood as well. So definitely a big fan. They'll always have a place in my heart. And they're all on HBO Max now, which I don't know why, but I never really put two and two together until this past weekend. So I'm now watching uh lots of Tunes shorts and my life has has been (laughs) much happier i want to say something controversial i i I just wanted to say like mickey can suck it i mean it's (laughs) sure i i mean bugs money has to be the best animated creature like do i really want to hang out with mickey no he's going to be like opening doors for people and telling people how nice they are or whatever giving people keys and saving the world from the armies of darkness sure yeah kingdom hearts reference we got there (laughs) however bugs bunny will eat a carrot and let you slam the door on yourself and that is what we want and uh i mean that's that's the i mean it's not a high bar to clear because bugs bunny has a personality whereas mickey is just a nothing like he is he's so um (laughs) <laughs> he he represents a entire like disnified way of life and corporate structure where any sort of thing that he does uh even the least bit negative is possibly a catastrophe for the stock market so they just made him this bland like uh i don't know pancake kind of thing it's really <laughs> terrible Wow, I didn't know that I was going to come into a Mickey Mouse slam session but hey I I'm here for it <laughs> And it's funny. Oh, I'm sorry. Are, the Disney company really deserves a break, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Come on, give that that small upstart indie studio a break here. It's funny because the Looney Tunes are also corporate objects in and of themselves, in that they are the cultural IP of Warner Brothers and end up here, there, and everywhere. Be it Six Flags theme parks or in collaborations with Michael Jordan and LeBron James, but. They are still given a lot more personality than the Disney characters in that, yeah, Bugs Bunny is, especially in these movies, kind of a jerk, like kind of a bad, I wouldn't call him a person, he's a rabbit, kind of a bad rabbit. <laughs> and you can't imagine Mickey or Goofy or anyone really doing some of these things that he does. Donald Duck is kind of the one, he gets spicy and everybody likes to do the, that, that voice that nobody can actually do well. <laughs> But everyone else is just so sweet and even-tempered. 
Yes. And I, one reference that, you know, will resonate with uh, Cinema Drip podcasters is uh, the social network. I really think that like the sort of um, likable jerk because they're like so, you know, good at like getting one over at the others is sort of the Sean Parker, um, you know, and uh, Zuckerberg like archetype in that movie. Um, and it's like, oh, I want them to win. I want to see the, you know, glory of this jerk who is like out to destroy everyone. Um, it's really wonderful. So Bugs Bunny equals Justin Timberlake. Bugs sure. Bunny yes. invented Napster. <laughs> well, I I would like to take this moment now that we have two movies to discuss here on the podcast just to just to drift into the the first movie we have on the docket here. And uh, Paul, part of the reason you are on this podcast is just the fact that you excitedly texted me uh, when you found out we were discussing Space Jam. So I'm very, very excited to hear some of your extended thoughts here as we dive into our first Looney Tunes movie. But the details, yeah. we'd love to share the details. Space Jam, 1996 sports comedy film with the two stars on the poster being, of course, Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan, who was at the height of his comeback with the Bulls. It was directed by Joe Pitka, who is not a particularly famous director. He's more known for directing commercials and music videos, and I think that's how he got this gig. He directed some Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny ads, I think, were part of the inspiration for the feature-length film that is Space Jam. And, of course, it features... The live-action Jordan teaming up with the animated Looney Tunes in a plot that is so thin, its grandmother is going to ask it to start eating some more uh, plates at dinner (laughs) so that it doesn't get too skinny, because there's almost nothing there. But he does have to help the Looney Tunes win a basketball game so they don't get enslaved by a guy who owns an intergalactic theme park. What a plot. It's pretty important. You don't want to be a slave to, to Moron Mountain. Yeah, the word the word slave is very casually tossed around in this uh, <laughs> and, first <yes>. movie. <laughs> it was kind of bizarre. But Space Jam is an important cultural object in a way for pop culture here in America. It didn't review particularly well, but it was a huge success. It made $230 million worldwide and brought this old school superstar quote-unquote the looney tunes this worldwide object of of laughter i suppose into michael jordan who is this current cultural giant he's one of the athletes most credited with helping the nba and basketball grow as a global sport not just as something local to the states so this joining together of important cultural objects i guess michael jordan's a person but cultural forces in america joining joining forces i hate to use that word twice but joining forces and having a smash success so would definitely love to know as we discuss with the looney tunes in general just your personal connections here to space jam and paul we'll start with you because I, I said this you were excited once you found out we were doing space jam so i asked you to come on i want to hear your thoughts yes yes um so the the sort of uh, background i have um i i man there are so many stories I could tell about, like, you know, my fandom of Michael Jordan uh, back in the day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did send you guys some pictures of uh, me at, you know, Michael's final season. Um, you know, bold cut and all, just uh, sporting the Jordan shirt um, there at the stadium. It's a uh, – and it's really telling because we were at the stadium, you know, while Michael Jordan was playing. They already had a statue of him outside uh, that we posed with he already had um this restaurant that we went to uh michael jordan restaurant i you know not sure how many food critics are gonna <laughs> um anyway um but yeah it was a uh this this movie sort of only works uh for a number of children of a certain generation because michael jordan was everything um just this icon that uh, continues to be emblematic of uh, basketball as we know it. Watching The Last Dance last year as it was an object of intense fascination for so many of us because we were freshly quarantined and needed something new to entertain us really showed me just how significant Jordan was. I was born 
in 95 and so i missed michael jordan growing up because i didn't become a sports fan until later in my childhood i wasn't watching basketball when he was winning championships and so watching the last dance really keyed me into how significant how important and how internationally famous he was and why a movie like space jam would get made and even getting to see some of the behind the scenes clips from that documentary of him making space jam was fun and i i'm with the crowd of people that says why isn't there more space jam in the last dance i want to see more there was there was precious little there was only a, a short clip that i did look up afterwards of him playing against uh, a green background with a green like suited men um you know battling him in basketball uh and yeah it just really is a it's a it's a shame that that wasn't featured more in the documentary because like it is the height of michael jordan's commercialism like he was a star far beyond uh basketball um if you didn't know anything about basketball you knew michael jordan um because he's on your shoe and he's on your you know uh mcdonald's meal and all this stuff so he's there i would say that i have absolutely no ties to michael jordan whatsoever (laughs) not one i mean i have ties to the chicago bulls sure and but I I didn't really grow up watching basketball, but I grew up watching Cartoon Network late at night. And in that, that's when I saw alongside Who Framed Roger Rabbit, alongside Looney Tunes Back in Action that we'll be discussing in a couple minutes, Space Jam. And it's kind of the thing that if this had been quote unquote autori, which is like a director going to town on stuff, I normally hate those things. But when it's this blend of live action and animation there's this very there's like a sense of fun to it there's a sense of let's put bill murray here who has absolutely no reason to be in this movie except that we're gonna give him lines saying he wants to be an nba star or he knows the producer man he knows the producer yes yes absolutely let's create more on mountain let's dictate what michael jordan did in the one year he retired or moved on to baseball it it makes no sense and yet it's fun it makes just it's 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 like when you're a child and you're playing pretend and the plot that you come up with with your friends is not the most complex plot that's going to get you a pulitzer but it's there because you have an imagination and you want to use it that's what this movie brings up for me yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, we can we can get into this later with uh, Back in Action, but um, I think that this movie has a more grounded logic, I suppose, than the second one. Um, it's Which is, like, wild to say, but, like, you know, um, okay, uh, so we have stakes. Uh, they're going to be enslaved to Moron Mountain, this intergalactic uh, theme park. Um, and, uh, okay, these aliens are small. We're going to play them in basketball. Um, who would you get to save you from basketball monsters? stars michael jordan of course obviously like it all makes sense it all like has this uh, sort of logic where it's like i want them to win the game and they oh man it's good stuff <laughs> back in action is more it's more similar to who frame roger rabbit it's a movie about making movies yeah yeah many more gags and like in jokes and stuff in that yes so space jam we've talked about it We've talked about Michael Jordan, how significant he was, our own relationship to the to the tunes that are loony. The question most on my mind here is trying to set nostalgia aside. Actually, you can't do that with Space Jam, so I'm not actually going to propose that. Don't set your nostalgia aside. But as we all rewatched this movie with our nostalgia goggles firmly on, does Space Jam hold up? Or is it just a, a mere object of fas- of cultural fascination, maybe a childhood favorite that is now no longer something to be praised? Or is it an actually enjoyable movie, one that you feel good about liking and not one of those childhood classics you rewatch and kind of look through, <laughs> look through your fingers as you realize how bad it is? I believe that this movie holds up for the same reason I mentioned earlier. It's fun. Furthermore, I do think this movie is incredibly innovative and influential. It breaks new ground on, well, one, representation, to have one of the most major talked about pop cultural elements of the 90s in terms of film 
star Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think that's important. And not even that. It's funny. Like, this is funny. This is... It's funny. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) To have Bugs Bunny be the name placed on the poster. To have several different stars. To have Larry Bird on here. To have Bill Murray rocking it for some reason. To absolutely invent more on Mountain. To uh, furthermore kind of deconstruct what it means to be property of Warner Brothers, quote unquote, and how basically everyone's on the same side. Back in action, they're not all on the same side, but here to have them all working together with their different facets, to have Granny be a cheerleader. This is something that's not just for the youth of then, and it didn't need to be. This is something saying, do you like basketball at any way, shape, or form in your lives? Because if you do, you might enjoy this film. Did you ever watch Looney Tunes? Because if you did, you might enjoy this film. Do you have a beating, pulsing heart within you that is full of blood and not oil? Because if you did, you will enjoy this movie. No, it does not have the most complex thoughts. But this has more emotion than half of the movies I saw last year. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Yeah, I was not amen. expecting a, a rant of that intensity on the, this Looney Tunes podcast. Paul, oh, prepare. Paul, prepare. Does Space Jam hold up for you? Yes, and more so. Um, I think that this is a movie that only gets better and better uh, the more you dig into it. Um, it is a rich text. There is a. Um, there's one thing that is really uh, important to point out about this movie is you know. Some people will be like, oh, you know, it's a kind of flimsy plot and like, oh, Michael Jordan's acting isn't that good. Or, oh, it's not like this inspired uh, directing or whatever. I would argue that this movie is actually uh, good in ways that movies usually aren't. So um, soundtrack, right? Soundtrack goes platinum six times. My goodness. It's got I've got a list here. Seal. Coolio, D'Angelo, R. Kelly, Method Man, LL Cool J, Monica, Barry White, Chris Rock, and Jay-Z. Jay-Z wrote a rap for Bugs Bunny. Ah, man. (laughs) Um, It's called Buggin', and he's buggin', you know? Um, The, yeah, (laughs) the VFX supervisor for this was actually uh, the Academy Award winner for what film, would you guys say? It's Roger Rabbit. Uh Uh-huh. I was going to say that, yeah. Each, uh, yeah, it was, uh, and it sort of used some of the same techniques, but uh, also each, um, they were using more computers this time around. Uh, and so they were able to uh, give some more like highlights and shadows. So each, uh, each creature, um, in order to make them sort of fit in with uh, the 3D Michael, um, was actually drawn three times. So you have the regular, um, you know, 2D animation, and then you've got uh, highlights and shadows. Three, yeah, it's it's a really really cool process. Furthermore, uh, the you know ragging on Michael's acting, sure he's not like emoting as like a regular actor would. He does a passable job, whatever. People forget though, like as you know, sort of the uh, Keanu Sants uh, has shown us, there is an acting that is uh, bodily and physical, and there is no better um, acting on screen for a basketball player. Uh, than the one here on screen. So um, the, yeah, uh, just just the fact that like Jordan was uh, playing these guys for real, like they had people come in and dress up in green suits and look ridiculous who were legit like good at basketball. Um, and uh, they, they built him his own court on the Warner Brothers lot. There's a weird like level of passion here behind the actual game where Michael just doesn't phone it in. Um, and that's that's a wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, there's there's so much to get into this movie that just like uh, makes it a a special object in a way that movies usually, um, you know, I mean, how many movies do you get to see like, you know, uh, fourth wall breaking, um, you know, Bill Murray and, you know, 2D cartoons from your childhood <laughs> and Michael Jordan all coming together, like being yeah, like making fun of his like baseball career, like goodness, this is a this is a wonderful thing. So good, and I love the willingness on his part to poke fun at his dalliance with baseball, and reminding himself that he was always supposed to be a basketball player. And I love you each of your attitudes about Space Jam as just a, an enjoyable and good movie. <laughs> like, you know, 
in terms of all-time classics of cinema, Space Jam probably isn't up there. But in terms of Hollywood blockbuster American pop culture filmmaking, Space Jam is so much more enjoyable than so much of what we've gotten (laughs) in recent memory. And it is so brief. It's 88 minutes long with credits, which is like when a football player or a basketball player is, you know, he's six foot two in shoes. So really he's five. (laughs) This movie has eight minutes of credits. It's so short. (laughs) And, and yet it is just a condensed package of nostalgic delight. And I'm, I'm glad that we're all on the same page about space jam being an enjoyable movie. If we only had to save three movies from the 1990s, it would be this, Shawshank, and Pulp Fiction. Everything else can go. And weirdly enough, this movie has like a, a Pulp Fiction uh, reference in it where they play the music and there's these two like people like holding guns. And Elmer it's, Fudd and Yosemite Again, Sam. one of those things. <laughs> yeah, one of those things where like as a child, I was like, oh, this is, I guess, like kind of weird. And it's funny <laughs> in that way. But like, you know, as an adult, you can go back and be like, what what were they trying to say with this and it was just like no we're, we're just having a good time uh, it's funny to me that this is on your short list of keepers from the 90s christian i would uh, i would keep the matrix over this movie but we all know how you feel about that <laughs> i mean uh what's frick what's that movie that would oh goodfellas out let's start cherry picking 90s movies and comparing them directly to space jam um so in terms of the plot and the story of space jam it is ridiculously thin, as we joked. And so I, I ask you this question. Is it satisfyingly thin? Is it sort of like, it's like it's all a dream. It's happening so quickly. It's it's twisty and turny, and, and that's why it's enjoyable. Or do you wish we had more Space Jam? Because for me, it's kind of like a, almost like a TV special. When you factor in the credits and drop the length. I think I checked. It's like 78 minutes when the credits start to roll so it is Beautiful. extraordinarily brief the plot jumps from here to there very quickly there's not a lot of character development here in space jam but in light of that that is one thing that many critics as we've mentioned said is a a weakness to space jam but how do you feel would you want more space jam or are you happy with what we have that is a that is beyond uh, whoever whatever critic uh, said that um, needs to be have their critics license taken away. <laughs> That's what Paul says. Um, so there is a there is a scene in the movie where a psychic is like trying to help uh, the basketball players like figure out you know what happened with their talent and like they're they're going through this to you know sort of find some closure or whatever. And the psychic literally tells the exact pitch of the movie, and the guys like open their eyes and they're like what like okay so michael jordan uh, was sucked down a golf hole and he was transported to the looney tunes dimension to help them win a basketball game um and it's just like and and the guys like walk away as though she's saying something ridiculous like the movie knows that it is loony uh and i i think it fully embraces that also there's a build. there's something to build up to you're building up to the game like this yeah. is the thing like you, all good you sports have- movies you're you're barreling towards that game no you're not getting the most in-depth character development but you're seeing how training is working you're seeing what their stakes are you're seeing what they need in order to succeed and you know what this is not just a sports movie though this is also not just a live action animated film this is a buddy hangout movie do you want to hang out with the looney tunes and michael jordan and that's also where it's unfair. You can ask this question without making a movie, and the answer would be yes. And so when you make a movie, you need to rely on what has made the history of these characters so strong. Christian, I'm going to remember this moment the next time you're you're whining about a movie not having enough character development for you or enough plot for you. I'm just going to I'm going to play my Space Jam card. Suck. <laughs> Maybe it's because the characters suck. Play my Space Jam card. I'll say I'll say think of Space Jam, Christian. Think charitably of this film, whatever. And then I'll say which one of these characters is Bugs Bunny. <laughs> oh, so we brought up the NBA players featured in this movie, which for me was also an object of delight. I forgot how much they factored into the plot. So if you, for some reason, haven't seen Space Jam while we're discussing about it, or you haven't watched it in some time, the little aliens who come to try to enslave the tunes steal the basketball powers of Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, Muggsy Bogues, Sean Bradley, who 
what what a what a tree of a person how hilarious to have the him storm there. and mormon <laughs> the storm and mormon and larry johnson and i forgot how much they factored into the plot and so we get all these cutaway scenes of them getting tested on and talking to psychologists and visiting a psychic as paul mentioned i i truly love the fact that they were all game to to be a part of this movie which obviously space jam was going to be huge with michael jordan in it so probably easy to to make the pitch but in ter- that's one of my favorite aspects of this partially because also as a sports fan it's funny to see charles barkley who's like on tnt now <laughs> like back in the day when he was young and fit it, it's so fun to have these guys in and joking with themselves uh, or, or joking with their personas um, and going along for the ride in terms of other cameo or you know small acting roles any other standouts we talked about bill murray we mentioned larry bird how do we feel about Wayne Knight? We didn't mention Wayne Knight yet as Newman, <laughs> as the PR guy for the minor league baseball team that Jordan is playing on, who's trying to get him back so he can go to the next minor league game. What a guy. <laughs> I'm fixing a divot. <laughs> oh my gosh. The, one of the, one of the many moments that made it maybe laugh out loud in this movie. I, I don't know what happened to Wayne Knight. I remember seeing him in Jurassic Park in this movie. And I'm not quite too sure what happened afterward. That being said, it's funny how we're talking about self-referential things. Because the entire Brendan Fraser thing that we're going to get to with Looney Tunes (laughs) back in action is amazing. Oh, we'll get there. All right. I think that an interesting thing about this movie is that Joe Pitka called, as the story goes, called Robert Zemeckis and was like, Hey, do you have any tips for doing this movie? And Robert Zemeckis responded saying, don't do it. It was a year and a half of hell for me. (laughs) So, kind of glad they did it. But also, this can't be easy. There's no way that this is easy to pull off. No. Like you said, the the production aspect of this movie is actually influential in Hollywood. You know, we talked about the the basketball court (laughs) with guys in green, green screen suits. This is one of the first movies made in a virtual studio, which... When you look at Hollywood now, half the blockbusters we watch spend months in virtual studios, whether it's Avengers battling against villains or the uh, the Fast and Furious family driving <laughs> most <laughs> absurd car stunts. You know, virtual studios are such an important part of blockbuster filmmaking right now, and Space Jam is one of the pioneering films uh, using that. And at the time, it also broke the record for compositing in a film in the most vfx shots more than independence day i think which came out a year earlier and featured aliens invading the united states so in terms of what you would expect to have more vfx shots i would have picked independence day and yet space jam wins it really was an important hollywood movie and a giant cultural object for reference of just how much work uh, went into this, so um, if you know anything about VFX, um, <clears throat> when they say like a you know a studio uh, like a virtual studio, this is uh, what five years before um, some of the you know prequels came out for Star Wars. Um, this is a like it is so it is almost seamless. Um, I wouldn't say like fully seamless. Some, you know, some shots you're like, Oh, they're like having to like adjust Michael as like a little punch card or whatever. Um, but when you look at the behind the scenes and see the kind of computers that they were working with, the kind of like computers you would see in the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, the, the barely like able to show green text on the screen. Um, if you, yeah, and the fact that they were using those to composite Michael Jordan um, with a like handheld camera, not like locked off or you know pre-programmed or anything like that, um, but just some camera guy uh, going into you know basically pull an avatar. Um, it is a it is a it, I, you really do have to like give uh, props to the people who worked on this. Um, the Looney Tunes, like they are definitely, they look different than, uh, they do in the normal cartoons and they sort of like, but there is a, there is definitely an artistry. Like nobody seemed to have phoned this in. Um, and even Michael Jordan, I don't think he's capable of phoning anything in. Um, he was, he was coming to this like with a hundred percent, just like everything he does in his life. And on the Looney Tunes, I also am curious before we move on to our next, our next Looney film here. 
how do just how we feel about the Looney Tunes role in this story there again in terms of some of the critical reaction to this this movie made some people angry including people who worked on the original cartoons like Chuck Jones one of the most important and famous directors of Looney Tunes cartoons hated this movie because of course he was just old man yelling at cloud about it and was mad that Bugs Bunny was doing hip-hop he was not a fan of Buggin <laughs> but some people were frustrated at the characterization of the characters in this movie. They didn't like the voices because some of the actors were changed. And Lola Bunny is probably a conversation topic unto herself. So how do we feel about the, the tunes in this movie? And we can compare when we get to back in action. Lola's great. Love Lola. I think she's fantastic. Moving on from Lola. Uh, I <laughs> No, I think the Looney Tunes are great. I think that they're there to hang out. They're there for a good time. They're doing exactly what we expect them to do. Daffy's as neurotic as we expect him to be. Bugs is as smart assy as we expect him to be. They're play it's a deconstruction of the model that made them who they are. And rebranding it for what would happen if they actually met real people. So I don't see an issue. In fact, one of the things that was present in the commercials between uh nike and looney tunes that featured michael jordan that pref predated this film one of the complaints is that those weren't modernized enough and in this film they were able to modernize the looney tunes in order to make them yeah you know do the looney tunes know michael jordan are they fans of basketball if so what does that mean you know i'm here for it i'm here for it Makes me think of the the classic Porky Pig. Can I or I, I can't do the Porky Pig. Love that we live in a world where the Looney Tunes, d- despite living in their Warner Brothers animation dimension, are familiar with Michael Jordan and know of his his basketball prowess. Paul and John Hancock. Yes, yes. Paul Christian is pro Looney Tunes in Space Jam. He is not mad that Bugs Bunny did hip hop. But how do you feel? Yeah, it was uh, the mid-90s. Everybody was doing hip-hop. If you got through a movie without a rapping granny, it was a wasted movie ticket. The thing that I would say with, like, you know, the Looney Tunes, like, being themselves is, like, adapt or die. Um, They, uh, you know, they have a slightly different look, but they still act toony um, in this movie. Um, The... You know, the gripe that obviously you brought up with uh, Lola Bunny is, you know, she was invented for this film um, for uh, perverts and uh, the (laughs) like, no, no, no offense if you are a furry. And if this movie made you a furry, I'm I'm not here to judge. No offense, Christian, Um, who just praised Lola Bunny. Lola is great, and she goes on to continue in the Looney Tunes universe. Sure, the show that came absolutely. out in Cartoon Network in the late two, uh, well, late two thousands, early two thousand tens, featured prominently a Kristen Wiig version of Lola Bunny. And yes, you know she's, I don't, I don't know what it's called, romantic point of desire for Bugs Bunny, which is problematic, which is problematic. No, and I, I, I totally, I, I get it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it is difficult that like the main uh, female in this movie is, uh, basically she has two characteristics, which is being like ultra hot and like ultra competent, which is sort of the, uh, you know, it was, it was the '90s again. They were trying to grapple with feminism, and it's like, oh, this, this lady, like she can be a secret agent, and also she's hot, and like it's this weird, um. It's and it's difficult too because like it kind of worked. Like she took off as this uh, character, and it is a um, it is not so much an indictment of the movie as it is uh, of the culture that the movie was made for. Um, but also, you know, it's it's always good to take a step back and remind yourself if you ever have a problem with like um, you know female portrayal in like modern media or whatever is like that they're kind of reacting against this they're reacting against the sex pot um bunny uh that sort of makes this whole 
I don't know. It's an encapsulation of uh, 90s attitudes. Her proportions are actual proportions, unlike Jessica Rabbit. In the lineage of animated characters with the last name Rabbit <laughs> who feature prominently in Hollywood films, she is less less provocative. <laughs> and yet the criticisms, I think, are fair. Uh, she does come in out of nowhere. This from the man who who defended Jessica Rabbit last week. I did because I thought she played an interesting role in the movie when we considered its film noir conventions that it was playing with in that they set her up to be the obvious femme fatale and then she, in fact, was not. So I thought that was interesting. I, I, I stand by that. Let's move on to the Looney Tunes back in action. <laughs> All right, all right, Christian. We we will we will let you be here with your Lola Rabbit fascination, and we will move on to Looney Tunes back in action. So, as stated, Space Jam not super critically well received, but it becomes an enormous success not only in terms of box office, but uh, there are comic books made of Space Jam. There's Space Jam video games. There, the Toon Squad jerseys are still a frat boy favorite. There is a whole franchise that forms around Space Jam because of Michael Jordan, because of the Looney Tunes. And the Looney Tunes come back. Everybody loves them again. And so they try to recreate the magic. Michael Jordan doesn't want to do Space Jam 2. They consider doing a Spy Jam with Jackie Chan, but that never really goes anywhere. And ultimately... Some years pass, and in, in 2003, we get the follow-up, which is Looney Tunes Back in Action. Uh, 2003 here, directed by Joe Dante, who is a beloved Hollywood filmmaker, making movies like Gremlins in the 80s, who was still quite active at the time, starring the Looney Tunes, as you can imagine. This time, Daffy and Bugs in particular, standing out as the, the two lead uh, characters but also featuring Brendan Fraser, our 90s king, and Jenna Elfman as the two human leads here. On the search for the Blue Monkey Diamond, it is really an adventure film as they go on the search for this diamond that, of course, the Acme Corporation and their insidious CEO is trying to use for nefarious purposes. So... Looney Tunes back in action for me. I'll start here. It is a childhood favorite. It's a movie that I dearly love. I saw it in theaters, and uh, upon realizing that it was a box office failure, as a growing person, I became very sad because I always wish that there were movies that or sequels that came out for this because I loved it so much. And now rewatching it, it is impossible for me to take off the nostalgia goggles. The blinders are there. I sincerely love this movie. Brendan Fraser, what a guy. I just watched the Mummy movies. I'm a fan. But, Paul and Christian, I now turn to you. You know my bias. How do you feel about Looney Tunes back in action? Especially, if I may, in comparison to Space Jam. So this is my thing about... This is my thing about Looney Tunes back in action. If movies were to die and we only got blockbusters in the form of Looney Tunes back in action, I would not hate it. I, I, I wouldn't. I, I have to reveal that. And this is why, though, I think that films like Looney Tunes Back in Action are made with an audience in mind. They're made to say, hey, look, you know, Brendan Fraser, the guy from The Mummy? Yeah, he's here. Let's see what we can do with him. Let's see how we can play around with him. Yeah. You know, Looney Tunes, all those things that your parents talk about? Yeah, they're here. Does this make your parents cool? Not sure. Uh, hey, you know, movies that you like? Yeah, they're they're, they're here. We're talking about making them. Let's see what happens with that. It is so audience friendly. It is goofy, goofy fun. Stuff to to reminisce about. And I don't think nostalgia is ever a bad thing. But it's not just nostalgia. It's, did you like being a kid? Because this reminds me about what being a kid is like. This, I think it's more ridiculous than Space Jam. Absolutely. But, I mean... I, I always hesitate before I praise one of your blends of the month, Scott. I try not to as as, as often as possible. Keep me in my place. However, That's how we do it on the Cinema Trip podcast. But but these movies are working. It's almost like live action and animation blends have this built-in ability to say, Hey, guys, whatever age you're at, you can find childhood joy to reminisce about. It's not just movies for parents to take their kids to. It's movies for parents to say, oh, I liked watching that with my child. 
without going into plot or characters, those are my thoughts on Looney Tunes back in action. You said so many nice things, Christian, and yet I can only keep thinking about how you said this movie had an audience in mind. And I'm like, man, what movie doesn't have an audience in mind? There are movies that are there for directors and screenwriters it's to true. prove that they can direct or this write is true. a movie. Or, 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 or what was it? Game of Thrones Season 8 Episode 6 had no audience in mind. Uh, the audience it had in mind was presenting a finished it's about product. off the show. Yes. <laughs> Paul, what is your relationship to Looney Tunes back in action? If Space Jam was a beloved uh, childhood film for you, what is Looney Tunes back in action to you? Yeah, I got to say, um, straight up, this is not something that I watched as a child. Um, wasn't exactly sure uh, where to find it. You know, it wasn't uh, on constant reruns the way that uh, Space Jam was. Um, and the I, I would say, you know, we have to examine this sort of like an autopsy. Like, okay, why why is why is this movie like alive in the public consciousness and why is this one dead? And um it's not necessarily like, you know, it's not as black and white as that. Um this is a really fun movie. Um you've got uh Steve Martin um making a surprise appearance as uh, Mr. Chairman. Just wonderful wonderful uh comedic talent uh on display here from a number of people i i would say i would say one of the differences uh between the two space jam takes place uh sort of like half and half in the real world and in the loony zone um in this uh in the next movie um it's almost entirely in our world with uh you know cartoons drawn on top of it i think you do lose a little bit of something with that uh, scott i i know that uh, you're going to take this very personally and uh cry yourself it's okay. to sleep he, at night he, but it's yeah. okay he can't take it but keep going i do cry myself to sleep most nights anyway so this don't worry it won't add anything to the routine that's good that's good um well uh yeah beyond that um i think another difference uh honestly is uh stakes um again we talked about the uh thinnest uh, like a, a wire's thinness of uh realism and uh, plot in space jam uh in this one it's just like there you don't have these sort of like emotional um r kelly is like you know cheering you on to keep running through that open door um the this second movie doesn't like have a ton of uh oh how do i put this the second movie doesn't have a ton of just like uh, the second movie just doesn't take itself that seriously, um, which is totally fine. Um, and uh, it's just that I would prefer the Space Jam way of doing things, which is you have like a like semi uh, serious and, um, you know, a, a plot that you are unironically just like oh, hey, I hope this happens. Um, whereas in uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, there's a diamond that makes people into monkeys. And the bad guy wants to turn everyone into a monkey except for himself and a girlfriend that he chose at the last minute. Um, there's there's a... It is so over-the-top and unrealistic that, like, it's it's fun, just in a different way. So, Yeah. I would I would definitely argue that the both of these movies are completely and utterly ridiculous, but for different reasons. <laughs> and, and which whichever brand of ridiculousness you prefer will shape how you feel about these two movies. And I I'll, I'm interested at the point of where is the movie taking place? Whereas Space Jam has this half real world, half Warner Brothers animated setting. And back in action takes place almost entirely in the quote unquote real world. And I think that's part of why I loved it so much as a kid and why I still love it now, because I've always been a little bit obsessed with Hollywood and blockbuster filmmaking. And I always just loved the idea that Bugs and Daffy weren't characters. They are actors. They are people. And I guess not people, but they're a rabbit and a duck who are employed by Warner brothers. And there's the sense that, there's this whole world around them. I love when they walk through the cafeteria at Warner Brothers and Shaggy and Scooby are taking Matthew Lillard to town for his portrayal of of Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo movie, which what a what a hilarious joke that I didn't even get as a kid, but now <laughs> I like understand more. But the idea that they lived in our world, they were part of our world, that Yosemite Sam would run a casino in our world, that 
Tweety Bird and Granny and Sylvester would live next door to somebody in Beverly Hills. Just I loved that aspect of it. And that's part of why it works so well for me, even though I love the setting of Space Jam as well, seeing us getting to dip our toes in both the animated realm and the live action realm. This this uh, movie takes a lot from the Muppets. Um, well, I, I, I seriously, um, you know, if you watch any of the Muppet movies, but especially, you know, some of the ones about like them just like going on a road trip or something like that, it's this recursive, uh, Ouroboros of, um, a plot where the unreality is constantly being pointed out to you where it's like, oh, we're in a movie. Like, you know, um, I am Kermit the Frog, an actor playing Kermit the Frog. Um, but at the same time, like then the movie is talking about like them making another movie and it's just like on and on and on, um, you know, getting uh, a lot of comedy out of just the falsity of it. And uh, yeah, that really... Um, that really did get me uh, a lot of those uh, in jokes and just seeing like the Warner brothers lot as you see it in like Pee Wee's big adventure, just like, you know, it's a, it's a magical wonderland of uh, just stuff happening all the time. And uh, here are these cartoons and they sort of like fit in this environment. Um, yeah. So it's a good, it's a good world. I like it. I am a particular fan of the moment where they realize they have to, is it they realize they have to go to Paris or they're in Paris and realize they have to go to Africa? I, I forget which one, but I think they're about to go to Paris. They say, how are we going to get there? And Bug says, like this, and then just pulls the quarter of the screen up to act as the transition that obviously would happen because it's a movie. He acts as the edit that then, of course, they're just in Paris and the movie can continue. I, I love those little touches, especially, I mean, as a kid, I just thought it was haha, so wacky and fun. And now as a person who is obsessed with movies, I en- enjoy them the same as the way that they are playing with the form and making parody and, and being extremely self-referential. And obviously there's a point where you don't want to go too far down that road, but I, I still am a fan. But I think that's also why, and both of these films are, well, this one is longer. I, I, the Space Jam, as we said, like an hour and 18. This movie, only an hour and a half. I don't think it cracked an hour 40. I think they're short because that's long enough for us to enjoy the reference, go on the ride, and then be done. These are well-paced movies. The screenplays know how to hit their jokes, how to hit their beats, and then be done with it. We're not, and again, we're not trying to get into the deep complexities of what it means to be Brendan Fraser here. We're just trying to have Brendan Fraser in another action movie making jokes about what it means to be a stuntman. It knows itself, and that's pretty freaking awesome. And I, it's, it's, oh, what else? And this idea also that to have them be actors, which I think is great because Space Jam also hinted at the fact that they're actors when they referenced their agents and how they don't see any of the money from merchandising. But to have them be actors, to me, one of the funniest moments is always when uh, Daffy goes up to the quote unquote two Warner brothers who <laughs> have been dead for years and, and says, brother Warner, brother Warner. You can't do this to me. I'm, I'm dying. I like, this is amazing. I think it works. I think it works. I think that the jokes are well earned. Yeah, no, these, uh, these movies definitely benefit by, you know, you come to the theater, you already have like a preconceived notion of the Looney Tune or the, uh, the Michael Jordan, um, something like that. Um, and, and so much as they do play around, uh, with the form in this movie, I would say it has like, the I would say if you had to pick like a certain scene from both of these movies, I'd say that there's a couple uh, standout scenes um, in this one uh, that rival everything in the first one. Um, so like I'm thinking of the uh, museum scene, which is this wonderful like um, it's this chase scene where the the Looney Tunes are uh able to escape through various uh famous works of art and stuff and just like really clever uh referential humor there they're like you can get it by just watching it or you can bring your preconceived knowledge of what a looney tune is and how they would interact with like uh the scream or uh with like pointillism and things like this (laughs) um so yeah it's a it's a really i i again i think a lot of people were bringing their a game to this movie so props there 
I, I mean, I, I would say that the scene here that rivals Space Jam is the car chase scene. That car chase scene and how he, Brendan Fraser, just starts driving backwards. That's funny. That's incredible. And the, or or when they're when 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 the car starts flying and then it's gonna crash, but then it stops and it's like, oh, ran out of gas. <laughs> it's just floating in the air. And then the 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 lead, her name's Jenna. Yeah, Kate. And she goes, that's not how it works. So the car just crashes down and Bugs is like oh crap well he doesn't say crap but you know it's like you, you just had to say something it's it's like it's like when um it's like when Wiley e. Coyote like steps off the cliff and only notices like once he looks down you know it's it's the uh cartoon logic of faith and belief which is like weirdly present in both of these movies where like once you embrace the power of the tune, you can stretch your arm out and just become uh, this superhuman being. Um, it's it's really fun. So Looney Tunes back in action as much as childhood Scott wishes he could have saved it was a box, box office, office bomb. bomb. It was an expensive movie, naturally blending live action actors with famous animated characters and of course going on a globetrotting adventure that can wreck up the money and unfortunately this movie was not a a success and warner brothers was really banking on it to revitalize this franchise and really keep the ball rolling after the success of space jam and part of the thing that i wonder about is the two leads we have brendan fraser who is coming out of a period of success with his rise in the 90s and the mummy movies and Jenna Elfman, who is coming off the smash success of Dharma and Greg, a sitcom that she was the Golden Globe winning star of. But her career since then has unfortunately been marked by projects like this. Things with lots of promise that just never came together. A lot of single season TV shows or unsuccessful movies. So how do you guys feel about Brendan and Jenna in this movie? Let's talk about the other live action performers. And do you think that if we had Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman or whoever you want to throw in, this movie could have been more successful? I would love to see Tom Cruise in this movie. I want to see him, like, jumping out of an airplane with Bugs Bunny next to him. And he's like, what, are you scared? Like, that, yeah, that would make my day. You know what? I think, yeah, sure. If Tom Cruise had been in this movie, maybe he'd be more successful. Because Tom Cruise is as crazy as an animated character. <laughs> I was going to say, he try, he's trying to be one in real life. He's just trying to be as bad as Bugs Bunny. <laughs> But, but the thing about why these two leads are very well cast is because they're they're deconstructed what it means to be a male lead and a female lead. They're deconstructing what it means to have a romantic subplot, what it means to be Brendan Fraser, what it means to be a stuntman. It, they weren't just cast for star power. They were cast in order to say, let's make a movie about making movies. Yeah. And like, I will, I will... No, no offense to Brendan. I think he's a remarkable uh, person, but um, he does not have the draw uh, and honestly does not have the magic of uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan was larger than life. Um, You like, okay, if I showed you his silhouette right now of him outstretched with the ball in his hand, like that's more recognizable in a lot of areas of the world than like, you know, the McDonald's arches or Jesus Christ. Um, and, uh, you know, the the problem that, like, you run into with Brendan is he's only human. That's... <laughs> oh, Brendan. I, I've, re- I've watched a lot of Brendan Fraser movies in anticipation of this because I wanted to see if I would like him outside of the confines of Looney Tunes back in action. And I had never seen the Mummy movies. So I watched the Mummy and I watched the Mummy Returns. And I watched a little movie called Monkey Bone, which I don't know how strongly I would recommend Monkey Bone. Uh, it is also a box office bomb. It is widely considered a failure uh, on all accounts, not just box office. Um, but it's another bizarre movie that he did with a live action and animated blend. Uh, he is just such an interesting guy. And I am kind of sad that his career tapered off because he really is such a wacky leading man. He screams a lot in his movies. He's not afraid to be afraid and still come out as the hero. He has an interesting quality to him where he's not the most captivating or unique leading man or star, but he's better than a C grade 
actor. He's not just anyone. And I do wish that his career could have had a little more staying power. I know he's having a minor resurgence these days, but I, I'm a fan. And I, I don't know too much about Jenna Elfman's career, unfortunately. Like I said, she has had a career marked by almost had it and so close. <laughs> and, and yet so far after her initial rise to fame. But she, I think, is still very enjoyable and very good in this movie. But she, unfortunately, doesn't have as large of a role as, as, as Brendan Fraser's character. So, who knows? For all I know, that could have contributed to her own career missteps. Uh, the thing that Space Jam benefits from that I don't think this film does, even though they trade off. In Space Jam, we are able to see what happens when humans get loony power. I think that that's what would have better fit Looney Tunes back in action. Whereas actually Looney Tunes back in action, what it does better than Space Jam is that the Looney Tunes are free to use their power. Where I think in Space Jam, they're pretty grounded. There's nothing too terribly overt that they do. You know, I see I see what you're saying. And yet I only think about Michael Jordan's arm stretching at the end. And that's about it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying though. If Brendan Fraser had, had like an arm outstretched moment. This is what breaks up the Scott and Christian friendship. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm seeing the like I'm seeing the gap between them uh, widen to an irreparable uh, yes, tear. Yes, um, and it is it's truly horrifying. But um, you know, at, at least the subject matter was grave enough mm, uh, yes. that it you know it warranted uh, this sort of. It thing. wasn't Indiana um, Jones. One... It wasn't The Matrix. It was no different Looney Tunes live action animated film preferences. And one note, um, as you guys, you know, inevitably get to Kubrick, uh, just remember when you're watching Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman um, in Eyes Wide Shut <laughs> that you technically could uh, take the art assets from Looney Tunes um, and with modern technology, cut them out and place them into that movie um, however you like. So um, in just when, it, when you're watching the cult scene, uh, just imagine all your all your childhood friends just there frolicking. Yes. around. If there are any Hollywood producers listening to the show, uh, Christian's got some scripts to produce. So do hit him up. Uh, but I I am very interested in this Eyes Wide Shut Looney Tunes crossover situation. So please, please do hit me up about that. Space Jam. I don't think Kubrick would be opposed to it. <laughs> Kubrick is probably rolling in his grave oh, just not. thinking about the idea. Are you kidding me? Kubrick's the guy who would probably be making movies like out of iPhones right now. I mean, he he did start to make AI before Steven Spielberg had sure, to finish yeah. it up. So he, he was comfortable with the weird. So who knows? Maybe Maybe one day we'll get to ask him ourselves. Space Jam is not streaming anywhere that I know of it is available to rent anywhere you can rent a movie Looney Tunes back in action is part of the glorious Looney Tunes collection available on HBO Max if you are a subscriber to that service I would strongly strongly recommend that you take advantage of it whether you watch the old school stuff the new school stuff or you're like me and you're going to watch Looney Tunes back in action do check it out on HBO Max I fully agree. I have one note. Um, I did find this streaming on BET Plus, uh, the Space Jam did. movie. Um, yeah. I so my if, BET if you are a subscriber to, yes, yes. Um, the three of us, obviously not their core demographic, but <laughs> there we go. Man, there's so much more I wish I could say about these movies. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the crowd at the final basketball game in Space Jam, which is a glorious mishmash of... <laughs> Uh, stock assets and cloned characters and we barely got a chance to talk about steve martin in looney tunes back in action who's the closest we get in that film to a live action looney tune uh i considered doing the whole podcast episode in his voice affectations from that movie but probably for the best that i did not uh, gentlemen thank you so much for being here christian it's uh you know you're always here but paul thank you so much for joining us yet again Authors Dozen Revised, coming to a podcatcher near us. Anything else that you want to plug before we part ways until the broken clock finds its way back to you? No, uh, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, thank you for uh, returning me to the, the comfort and uh, plushiness of the 90s uh, before all of everything began to happen and the world began to be bad. Um, so thank <laughs> you for that back you know just just returning me to 
the land of you know terrible things happening in the world um but them being hidden from my little eyes uh, so that's all I have to say. Thank you guys again. Really appreciate it. As always, if you've reached this point in the episode and you're listening along with us, we thank you so much sincerely for your support. Christian and I love watching these movies and recording this show for you. And so it means a lot that there are folks out there listening. We recently crossed 1000 downloads for this show for all of our many episodes so thank you very much for listening to this show over 1000 times but that just meant a lot to me it meant a lot to christian to see that stat come through so we're very grateful thank you there are a couple ways that you can support the show and it would mean the world to christian and myself number one you could leave us a review and a rating on apple podcasts helps us reach new listeners there you can also subscribe anywhere we're on spotify we're on podbean we're on apple Podcasts. i mentioned do subscribe and download the episodes as they come in and let us know your feedback you can drop us a line at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com we do love to read those emails live on the show here so as more come in we'll be happy to read your thoughts special thank you to those who have written in and have had their feedback given don't worry we have not forgotten i'm still thinking about that magic blend of the month paul so if you have any more thoughts hit me up You can also follow Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we rate and review the things that we watch. And Paul, you are on Letterboxd as well, but you are not as active as as we are. So maybe uh, we can get some folks excited about your Letterboxd debut. Uh, Ooh, little voice crack there. And you can, like a a young Southern Belle, you can can make your debut on Letterboxd and you can drop your thoughts on Space Jam and Looney Tunes back in action. Yeah, and uh, thank you guys again. It looks like we're we're running up uh, a... We, we have reached uh, a Looney Tunes uh, length uh, with this podcast, so I think that's a good place. Indeed, we have. Uh, last thing, follow us on Twitter, at CinemaDrip. We'd love to interact with you there on the social medias. Christian, any final thoughts for those listening along at home? What we're going to be watching next week, I oh, that's right. I'm not going to edit that episode. <laughs> we're going to record it, and it's going to directly get uploaded. There you go. It's not even going to be in sync. That's right. I See... This is why I keep you around, Christian, because I'm a little scatterbrained and I forget to tell the people at home what we're watching next week. So this marathon was chosen for a reason. This blend of the month was selected and curated because there's a little movie dropping on HBO Max at the end of this great month of February. It's Tom and Jerry, folks. Tom and Jerry have come out of from whatever form of retirement they are in to make a new live action animated feature film. I have no idea what to expect. There is a part of me that thinks this movie is going to be terrible. And there's a part of me that thinks this movie is going to be a smashing success. I like Michael Pena. I like Chloe Grace Moretz. So I have high hopes. It's coming to HBO Max. It'll be out the 26th, which is normally a Friday when we drop the episodes. So we're going to watch it, record our thoughts, and just drop it on you. So it's going to be a little bit sloppy, but we're excited about it regardless. So do follow along. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I'm Scott, he's Christian, and that's Paul, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.